This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. There are a lot of lessons that we've learned during and after the pandemic and cities too have to start changing their perspectives in light of the new normal. What have cities learned throughout the pandemic this year? And should certain things change for the better moving forward to accommodate our new lifestyle? Shuhana Shamsuddin, President of Perika Banda or Malaysian Urban Design Association, joins me on the line to share her observations and reflections on the subject. The pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, is actually it's an eye-opener to us urban designers and other professions involved in building the city because it now shows to us how important it is for us to have public spaces for people to wind down or relax in the city centre. Places whereby they can be in the city centre but not in a very crowded situation. And uh, as we all know that the city is actually where the the mass population is and the city centre is, is normally the one that draws people to flock to the place by virtue of the need to go to work or to go shopping or to go for the services or facilities available in the city centre. But with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we are forced to change our lifestyle in the sense that we had to do the reverse. We had to stay away from crowded places. We had to try our best not to go out to the city centre. And during the MCO, we are not even allowed to get out from the house. So in a way, all this why we have never thought of building the city to think about the importance of having spaces, you know, public spaces, and also to design streets, uh, sidewalk spaces for people to walk in a less crowded uh, manner. So in a way... This is a lesson learned. You know, the, the pandemic uh, is a lesson learned that we have now to sit back and reflect back how best we can actually review the way we uh, plan our cities and what can we do to improve the situation if this pandemic is going to stay for quite a while. But we cannot be locked down forever. <laughs> I don't think people will, <laughs> will like the idea and it's also not very good for the economic situation. But we should allow people to still go out to the city or to be in the city centre, but in a, in a more, in a safer situation where they are not forced to rub shoulders with others or to be in a crowded situation. And this means for urban designers, it means that we have to look back um, how we can redesign certain streets to allow for wider pedestrian uh, walkways or sidewalks and also to convert certain um, leftover spaces or lost spaces underneath the utility lines or the uh, transportation lines as uh, spaces for people to uh, be able to walk or to cycle or to to be uh, part of a network of pedestrian linkages around the city centre. Because uh, one, one thing about the pandemic is that uh, we're not encouraged to use the public transportation uh, because if you know what happened before the COVID-19, you know, go, try to get into the LRT during the period hours. You know, we are just like a, a, a pack of sardines, you know. Uh, and that is really very bad to curb the virus. So uh, we have to encourage 
more people to walk within the city centre to get from one place to another so that to avoid because the public transport also cannot accommodate the number of crowds that they used to, to do so in the past. So apart from encouraging people to walk you know, within the city, that goes to challenges is that you must provide a place for people to walk. And people will only walk if you provide very comfortable and safe places for, for them to walk and even and as well as um, uh, making places uh, accessible. People in this climate, you know, they, people try to minimize walking because they don't want to, to get into the hot sun and so forth. And this requires some kind of retrofitting or um, some kind of uh, uh, adaptation of the existing buildings to, to, to give more shapes, uh, to encourage more shapes against uh, the weather. And we are now in December and, you know, it's really wet. It's been raining quite frequently. And that is another deterrent um, factor for people to walk. So I would say that the next year, 2021, is about to learning to live with the COVID-19 and also adapting our cities to live with COVID-19. Mm. That's interesting because I think to a certain extent, uh, what you're suggesting that is is uh, retrofitting, right? Like you said, uh, yeah. and it also brings about, I guess, the way we design our city, right? I mean, in terms yeah. of in terms of thinking about how cities have been designed, cities are always by nature quite dense, right? So it means yeah. that that kind of design, especially now in the new normal, is not really sustainable because there are no spaces for people to actually move around freely without. Mm being in contact with others, right? Uh, so so it's interesting to think of that because I think um, we used to celebrate the hustle and bustle of city, right? But now yeah. we have to, I guess, start thinking about yeah. redesigning our city, right? <laughs> Last time we used to uh, enjoy going to places, to flock to places, you know, to be where the, what do you call it, where where the action is, you know, where the, the large clouds is. Now it's the other way around, you know, we, we try to run away. And what was interesting is that uh, uh, as soon as the first uh, MCO was lifted, all the parks in KL, well, you know, was really crowded and congested, and they had to close the, the parks, uh, in, in order to make it to discourage uh, new clusters to to be introduced as a result of people flocking to the to the uh, public parks. Because what happened? I mean, if you look at um, uh, in terms of um, the environmental psychology and uh, etc. People can only minimize, uh, tolerate uh, for a certain while to be locked in within their, their own premises. It's okay for those who are living in a, in a very luxurious space, uh, like in a bungalows or penthouse or, or very, very large uh, unit accommodation. But try to imagine those who are living in the uh, low-cost uh, housing, those who are living in a very tight conditions, you know, and with a large family staying in only a two or three bedrooms and they're not allowed to go out. So you can imagine their stress and they're not having a space for them to get out, you know, to relieve the stress of being in a very crowded situation. It's very, um, very, in a way, um, not good. Uh, and, and also not not say you, you can you can imagine that you know during the MCO there's a lot of psychological and social problem as a result of people being forced to be indoors for quite some time, and and there has been um, I don't know I don't have the statistics for it but I think I remember being in a webinar where we have a psychiatrist um, uh, in saying that many people going to divorce you know there are lots of uh, an increase in the 
case of uh, child abuse or even uh, domestic abuse and so forth. As a result of, you know, having no way, no outlet, you know, to uh, relieve themselves from that, that crowded situation. And this actually uh, um, exposed the weaknesses of the way we design our urban neighbourhood. Because there is a very short shortage of breathing spaces for these people, especially those who are in a crowded tenement, you know, those, those who, who don't have access to their own gardens. For those who have their access garden, they can have, you know, they can have their regular exercise, even though if they have a small garden. But imagine those who haven't got access to garden, those who are living uh, in, in the high-rise uh, dwellings and not, not able to touch their feet on the ground and even to breathe, you know, um, uh, fresh uh, air uh, outdoors. So in a way, we, we, we like, like I said just now, now we have to review back now. We cannot afford to have to uh, throw in as many units of dwellings, you know, to maximize the space, the land allocated for that, we have to give priority to open spaces. Uh, and we have to look into how you design the unit so that you can have access to open spaces, if not the big one, uh, a small one, depending on the number of uh, people uh, occupying the place. So that, you know, when the next pandemic, you know, uh, or the third or fourth wave or whatever, then so at least people Will not will not suffer as much as they do uh, during our first uh, MCO. We look at the, some of the condominiums, uh, the new condominiums. Like I've looked at one in South Bay City, uh, which is near Bangi. At the fifth level, they have a park, you know, where uh, where people can jog. You know, at the at the fifth level, so people in the condominium they they still can go down, you know, to the fifth level to have their morning walks or even during the MCO. But like I said, those who are living in a very high-cost uh, dwelling and so forth, they are being provided, or, or those who are living in a bungalow, they have been provided for this. But now the, the problem is very glaring for those in the B40 group, you know, those who are, are not fortunate enough to have access to those kind of luxury dwelling with their own uh, gardens or their own uh, park. Mm. So how can we rectify that problem, especially for the B40 communities that are living in, I guess, low-cost areas that, mm. like you said, mm. do, do not have access mm. to, to these I amenities, think, I right? Think for the existing units, you know, very little can be done because um, the some of the low-cost units, they only have two rooms, you know, two bedrooms. Can you imagine if they have a family of five during the uh, five or six uh, during the lockdown and there's only two small rooms and very tiny space? For cooking, and yet they have to be, they have to be in that situation for about one month, not able to go out. You know, so in a way, I can't say much for that. But I, I, but I think what can be done is to actually to improve the whatever spaces that they have at the uh, space between the those blocks. You know, should be uh, well maintained on landscape to provide as uh, for for giving them the opportunity to have their regular exercise. And this, this means, you know, like um, sometimes yeah, we don't really need large spaces to have a good design. I mean, if you look at the Japanese. If you look at the Japanese, you know, they've been living in a very high density situation. But they're very good at optimizing space. You know, they're very good at, you know, um, appreciating the, the, the tiny space and then make the best out of it. I think we, we need to have a, to adopt that kind of attitude as well. But the problem with Malaysia is that if you look at the uh, low-cost housing, areas, there are so many of these spaces being utilized for car parking. 
you can see they double park, triple park, you know, and they have even some of the units. You know, their cars are much much more expensive than the the cost of their their unit. And we are not saying that people in Malaysia like to have cars or we like to own so many cars. It's like a necessity. It's a basic need because we don't have a very good public transportation system. And the people in the B40 are the unluckiest one. Because not only they have to spend, they have to live in a very, very crowded situation, a small unit because that's the only uh, house that they can afford in the city. And they have also to spend money to purchase a car because not all the uh, local houses are accessible to the public transportation like the LRT. And the buses are also not that efficient, in, uh, especially in KL because of the traffic congestion on the road. We don't have a bus lane. I mean, if we look at some cities in uh, overseas, they have a bus lane. So nobody can, uh, the buses, nobody can use the bus lane except for the buses. Otherwise, you'll be fine on the spot. So we don't have that privilege. So the, the, those uh, in the low income group will, will are forced to have cars. So when they have to have cars and there's not enough parking spaces, so all the, all the um, open spaces uh, uh, at the ground level, are all utilized for parking. So it's a very terrible situation there. There's not enough greens, you know, that, that is required for for a good mental health uh, or well-being for a normal person. That was Shuhana Shamsuddin, the president of Perika Bandar, sharing her musings on how we should think about the city's design post-pandemic. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharuddin. We are reflecting on how cities have been coping post-pandemic and what can we learn from the experience. And joining me on the line to unpack the conversation is Johanna Shamsuddin, President of Perika Bandar or Malaysian Urban Design Association. Apart from thinking about having more open spaces in the city, we also need to look at the public spaces or amenities that we have, such as wet markets and bus terminals that are perhaps designed rather poorly and lack proper ventilation. Johanna weighs in on the matter. We also need to, I guess, take a look at um, some of our public amenities, right? And how they're designed. Yeah. I guess one good example or two good examples are perhaps our markets uh, and also our bus stations, yeah. places like that, where yeah. I guess it can <laughs> easily be crowded, right? Uh, uh, especially during peak hours. Um, so do you think that these, these spaces need to also be explored? And I guess uh, there needs to be a form of rethinking about buildings yeah. like this or spaces like this? Bus stations and uh, uh, market places are what we urban designers call the major nodes in the city. Nodes are strategic points of concentration of activities and people, where you can see people going in, out and out from that concentrated spot. And marketplace is like a hub, you know, it's a, uh, the same goes with the, the transportation uh, terminal. And the way the market has been designed with the narrow alleyways where the stalls are being located and people will walk, you know, rubbing shoulder with each other, you know, to, to, to purchase things. They are very good breeding ground for the coronavirus, you know. 
because because people are really in very close proximity to each other by virtue of the design of the of the marketplace. So if you look at during this COVID nineteen, or many markets they have not are not doing well. You know, I've got a few friends who who are fishmongers in the Kramat uh, market. You know, which is really very congested. Very dark, you know. Uh, is this is what I'm talking about the the old market in in Kramat because they built a new one and but these people doesn't want to move there because they don't want to pay higher rent. Uh, that is another problem. You see, the government has built Kramat Mall where you have a place for the for the relocation of these uh, market activities in uh, Pasar Kramat. Are you familiar with Pasar Kramat? Uh, not really, actually. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I think yeah. even Pasar Slayang, right? I mean, it's it's under renovation now, oh, but oh, yeah. it was very packed, uh, right? right. Mm. That that is actually the design, the old design of the marketplace is actually very good building ground for the coronavirus, and it is good in a way that we should be adopting a culture of a cleaner and drier marketplace as compared to what we have now. If you if you've been to to other parts in the world, you can see very wet market being dry. You know, I think that, that, that it's not impossible to have a dry wet market. We can still sell fish, and but the way the operations being done, you know, doesn't encourage the floor to be you know splash with waters and so forth. But one thing about Malaysia, I think because maybe water is we have abundance of water. We don't really see water as a Commodity that we really have to really treasure and use it wisely, so that makes uh, we use water, you know, in, in the market, you know, and makes going to market not a very comfortable experience because you know you get wet and then it's quite dirty and so not well ventilated. So in a way, you now the challenge now is to 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 design better better marketplace that will actually function with this. Uh, pandemic still being around, so that's why I mean that it's a good thing that they are now reviewing them. Even even if you look at the chocolate market, it's still very very congested. You see the alleyway between the stores are still very narrow, and you see rough shoulders with people as you walk as you walk down the lane, uh, the um, the passageway. So um, yeah, so that is again you know the 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 thinking on the way we design the market and also the the bus terminal where the the keys to this are well lighted place well ventilated and minimize the 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 uh, opportunity for people to be crowded mm-hmm. so that, is, that that is the criteria for the the new design of this um this space that we are talking about yeah. the other aspect i think is the street I think I think it's about time that we, I mean, as urban designers, you know, we are very concerned with streets and squares because they are the the key elements of urban space that make up the character of the city. When we talk about city, if you, you take the analogy of a person, how you you recognize a person is by looking at the face, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now the same goes with the city. One of the ways to recognize and identify is to look at the design of the streets and the squares. Because the squares are the outdoor rooms, the streets is the corridor where movement are. And these are the two places. Uh, apart from being the space of the city, that means how, uh, which influence how we recognize the city, 
the streets and the squares are the places where the crowding is being expected. Like in Malaysia, we don't really have squares. Very, very, uh, the word square is also derived from uh, from uh, European uh, cities, you know. We, but we have what we call it medan, you know. And also the word medan also is borrowed from the uh, Persian uh, language, you know, which means an enclosed space. But our cities are really not designed as the way we design cities in Europe, where squares are important uh, public spaces uh, where people tend to gather. But in Malaysia, we have something which we call a padang, which is actually something unique to us because uh, it's, it's an outdoor space within the city, which is used for recreation. And we should encourage more padang in, in cities, you know, where... Uh, these are turf space. As compared to squares, which are actually being paved with hard landscape. Padang is actually a space where you, it has a lawn or, or a turf where people can play football, play... In the past, the British built the Padang because they want to play cricket <laughs> during their leisure time. So I think uh, we need to, like, create more of these spaces, functional spaces, not just spaces for ornamental, spaces where... You can look, but you cannot touch. You can look, but you cannot go. You know, I mean, uh, we don't want that kind of spaces because we want places that people can use. You know, because that that, that makes the city fun, uh, functional to the to the people. So the um, these two elements, the streets and the squares, will need to be reviewed because in the I think as somebody who are uh, really into urban design, I feel so frustrated when we look at our streets because our streets are merely roads. You know, they just they just a means for people to go from one place to another. It's not a behavior setting that you see. Uh, you see, if you if you travel to Europe, you go to Paris, Barcelona, you know, we, Barcelona, we enjoy walking along the streets uh, there because there's so much happening, there's so many things to observe. And one thing good about us is our climate. We do not have to be indoor because of the climate. I mean, like the in, in the uh, European cities, Sometimes they cannot they cannot enjoy the outdoor as much as we can because of the weather. So I think um, there need to be lots uh, the design of the shop and so should now maximize the use of the outdoor spaces instead of you know uh, being uh, crowded in within uh, confined within one within the indoor. Now we can bring the activities outside. So the streets the streets now will have to be will be much more livelier. When we have a spillover of the activities from the indoor outside, because with more ventilation, then the risk of getting the uh, the virus will be uh, lowered because the virus, you know, will will breed very much within an enclosed uh, situation which is not well ventilated. Mm. So it, it's a good thing. I mean, there is some challenge to the architects in, in the way you can design the, uh, especially at the ground level. You know, the shop houses at the ground level can be. And if you look now, we in Malaysia we have so many streets that are very wide, too wide sometimes, you know. But with the pandemic and when people not going out, you know, sometimes the the, the streets become deserted. So this, uh, if you look at the countries um, like Europe, during the pandemic, uh, post pandemic, you know, they start to occupy the the streets now for cafe activities and so forth because now they they don't need. Uh, wider roads because people not, more people are now working from home in fact I think this working from home culture is quite good in a way you know it makes the city less congested you know it minimizes the need to travel to work unnecessarily if you can do your you can you perform your work uh, indoor within your own <laughs> your own uh, residence 
Yeah, I think to a certain extent, maybe we should also embrace our outdoor spaces, right? And maybe mm-hmm. in the future, the design of our buildings can also be a bit more using the open air yeah. concept. Yeah. No, what well, I would I would foresee, you know, uh, the architect should explore on making the the buildings adaptable. You know, you can actually. Uh, you can have uh, openings like windows or doors that you know you can close and you can open like uh, open plan and uh, and so forth. More openings for ventilation. I think we we actually the way we build our city is very bad because we uh, we are so engrossed with air conditioning our our unit. You know. We rely so much on mechanical uh, ventilation, the air condition that actually we make the cities hotter. When you use an aircon unit, you know you are actually discharging hot air into the streets outside. So you are you are very comfortable and cool inside the building, and people walking on the streets, you know, will, will get all the the heat that is out. So uh, in a way, passive design is not fully utilized here. What is meant by passive design is designing with the natural ventilation, maximizing the. If you look at the way the British in the past designed their buildings, that's why we call colonial architecture. It's very interesting because they designed the climate. They used high ceiling, large overhang, very deep overhang, balcony, and buildings. You know why buildings are put on the stage? They, they raise the buildings, you know, on because to allow for air to circulate beneath. So, and there's a lot of openings for the, the, the ventilation and so forth. So, if we were to actually design more buildings, you know, with the climate and so forth, or minimizing on the mechanical ventilation, we wouldn't have faced that much problem in getting some of the buildings you know, to be well ventilated to avoid this this problem of the spread of the virus. Of course, not all buildings are suitable for this, you know, but we should explore more. It shouldn't be the case, you know, like it's a standard requirement that you want to build a building, you have to put an air condition in it. Uh, you know, now it becomes like that, you know, people become very lazy to design with the climate. Yeah, and I guess uh, this conversation can go on and on as we think yeah. deeper about <laughs> how uh, we should uh. redesign our city to cope with the pandemic and not just the pandemic, perhaps the new normal as well. Right? Uh, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you guys are having a talk this coming weekend, right? Uh, right after Christmas. Oh, yes. Yeah, can you share uh, a bit about that? Okay, thank you, Hadi, for giving me the opportunity to promote this event, the webinar that we're going to have. Coming Saturday, 26th of uh, December at 10 o'clock, it will be broadcast on FB Live. And um, you can get information on it on the Perikabanda website, www.perikabanda.org.my. The title of the webinar is Implementing Good Urban Design in Malaysian Cities, a Shared Responsibility by All. We put a question mark here because we are going to bring together a group of professions that is responsible in building our cities uh, here in Asia. And they are the, uh, the leaders from the uh, professional bodies that govern the, the professions that are involved in building our cities. We, will, we have the uh, Vice President of Nation Institute of Architect, PAM, Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia, Architect Abu Zarin, and we have the President of the Nation Institute of Planners, Haji Islan, also the president of Institute Landscape Architect Malaysia, um, Dr. Suhardi, and oh, 
Dekat Sedia Adenim. We also have a representative, the chairman of the Technical Division, Project Management Technical Division of Institute of Engineer Malaysia. Together with me, as the president of Malaysian Urban Design Association, to sit in forum to discuss on what are our responsibilities towards implementing good urban design in Malaysia. And the webinar will be moderated by Datuk Dr. Dorbani Nijan, who used to be the former Director General of Plan Malaysia. It is going to be an exciting webinar because now we have suddenly all the professions that are involved in business, you know, to come together and to reflect now, you know, how best can we implement good urban design now that, you know, with this pandemic situation, we have to sort of um, uh, review back the way, the way how we build our cities what are the weaknesses that we can see and how can we improve uh, in the way. And uh, why I put a, a question mark is that one thing about us is that we don't really work as a team because uh, you see one of the indicators of very bad urban design is when you see the cities are this um, very cluttered, congested, um, and disorganized, a lack of uh, identity, all the historical places are being uh, torn down. These are actually indicators of very bad urban design. So in a way, we have seen this appearing in MLA cities. And it's very interesting if we can get all these professions you know, sort of agree on certain common things that we, we should be concerned of and how best we can work together towards, towards this common goal of uh, getting good urban design, a better design of cities which uh, have character which respects our culture, tradition, and also design with the climate. And another thing about urban design is for the people. How best we can build cities that meet the needs of the public, you know, so that they can have a sense of pride in their in their city. All right. Okay. And just to repeat the details, uh, it's going to be held uh, this coming Saturday, 26th of December mm. uh, at 10 a.m. And you can find more details at www.prekabanda.org.my, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Merry Christmas and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.